And our second reading today comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 1 through 9. Paul, called by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus and our brother Sosthenes, to the church of God that is in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints together with all those who in every place call upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that was given you in Christ Jesus, that in every way you were enriched in him in all speech and all knowledge, even as the testimony about Christ was confirmed among you, so that you are not lacking in any gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will sustain you to the end, guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Grace and peace be unto you from God, our Father, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. So today we begin. We begin a new sermon series as we begin to look at the very words of the Apostle Paul in those first three chapters of 1 Corinthians. So why do we begin here? And why this text at this time in the midst of things? That first it helps that these are the assigned texts of the lectionary itself. Those very things that are assigned at this time of year. As we see that very light of Christ continue to shine upon our lives and continue to grow in each way. But what is Corinth? And their situation and their standing have to do with us today. That this was a church who sure enough had many issues and problems, but it was one that was situated in a day and a time of much change, of much difference, of much diversification and everything else. That they lived in a place that in so many ways, morality was as you defined it. You got to choose your own way. That it was a place that so often was that dog-eat-dog world of that very business life. That this was a place that in so many ways, that people were asserting their freedoms, people were asserting and seeking wisdom and grandeur and power and strength, that there was a changing culture in a changing time. And these Christians that now gathered together looked at the world around them and asked, how do we live in the midst of a world that does not support what we believe? And secondly, that how much of what is going on within our church is being influenced by everything that is going on out there. Do we maybe have a few things in common with the Corinthian Christians? The very pressures from without and the pressures from within as we find ourselves seeking to live this very life of faith, trust, and strength as we go each and every day, by that grace of God to live lives that are changed by Him. But when we look at Corinth, is that we might first look and see all of the things that are splashed across its pages, all of the things that Paul begins to simply list out in the midst of everything. 
that they were doing. So we see a church that is at war with one another, one that is divided and quarreling, one that is fractured and and dealing with difficult problems, is that those who are competing and those who are proud and boastful, those who find themselves in so many ways, each doing their own thing. Not only that, but there were moral problems and issues that Paul had to deal with. Is it problems that Paul said that not even the pagan world is dealing with some of these things? That he even has to begin to take them to task. That when you come to communion, that there are some that are getting drunk. Drunk in church? How many of those little cups do you have to have to get drunk in church? See, the very thing that they did, they would worship on Sunday morning with hymns and songs and readings, and on Sunday night they would gather, gather to celebrate communion and not simply just to have that opportunity to come and receive that gift, but to have a meal that expressed their unity, expressed their love, expressed their community. And what happened? That the rich exploited the poor, so that some went with little and others went with great excess. The very thing that was meant to show their connection was the very thing revealing the problems in their midst. So what do we have in the midst of these things? That how do we see all that? See, I might ask that question. That how would you like it? If all of your sins, not just personally, but all of our sins together here within our very congregation, how would you like them if they were written down, that they were indeed simply found themselves in a place that trillions, if not more, have read and studied and evaluated them down throughout history? So would you be a little bit afraid? See, what does it mean that their sins are just out there for anyone to read? What does it mean that their worries, their fears, their very problems and issues are clear as day for everyone to see and not something hidden and tucked away, something that we keep private to ourselves? I think that we would experience that same anxiety and concern. But where does Paul begin today? That where does Paul, in the midst of laying the very foundation, the very promise of what is he now going to begin his very guidance for them, his very preaching and proclamation, where does Paul start? Paul starts at that very place where we all as Christians have unity and connection. That he starts at that place of that gospel. He starts at that grace that is that very foundational place. Is that though there are many things that they are worried and scared and afraid about, though there are many things that they have to repent over, the fact is is that there is something that Paul proclaims here that has hope promise and peace for us today. 
that Paul comes and begins to speak to these people of all people, to the church of God that is in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints together with all those in every place that call upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours, grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ, that I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God. I mean, how does he start? How does he start this letter to these people? With that very word of to those sanctified, those holy ones, those who are saints, those who in everything are not lacking anything. Paul begins with that very fact of what a saint is. That so many of us have that very image of a saint as that holy person long dead and gone that is somehow honored or reverenced or in some ways remembered by the church. A saint is not a dead person. A saint is the very living people of God. That sure enough, there are saints that have gone before us, but there are saints that are sitting before me today. That we too find ourselves dealing with those sins, those blemishes, those problems and issues of our past. That we too are afraid of what would people think they saw my sins. What would people think if they knew what my past was like? Or that we might find ourselves feeling like we're not simply living up or that we're not changing or growing like we desire? Is that where do we find peace? Where do we find hope? In a world and in a very life that constantly tells us that we are not measuring up. That we don't even need the world to tell it to us. Too often we are that very voice that we do not live up to what we desire for ourselves. So what does it mean to be those very saints of God? See, there's one story that I like to tell at funerals as we reflect and think upon the very life of those who have now passed away. The story of, is of a little girl who found herself in the midst of a European vacation with her parents. Is that there in the midst of things is that they saw one particular, one fancy after another, one amazing thing after another, but there was one particular trip that simply just stood out to this little girl. That that morning they got up from their hotel and walked down a few blocks down to this huge building. This beautiful cathedral that as she walked in simply just towered over her. That she had never been something so pretty, so huge, and so gorgeous before. But there was one thing that stood out to her one particular wall in that very building that was just simply covered with these huge windows of all sorts of broken pieces of glass of all different colors depicting all kinds of men and women in each of them. That little girl said to her parents, what are those? 
And her parents didn't know that she had never known what a stained glass window was. And they instead thought she was asking, what are those people in the midst? And they asked, well, those are saints, dear. So that stuck with that little girl. And when she came home and was telling grandma and grandpa about everything that she saw, and she said, I saw the most beautiful thing I have ever seen. I saw saints. They were these amazing things that let the light of God shine through. But isn't that what a saint is? Allows the very beauty of God to shine in their lives. And the fact is that it's not just in their good deeds or in their very holy lives, but it's maybe perhaps in the very places where we find ourselves most broken, most hurt, most worried and afraid that we let him shine through. Is that what did that woman at the well say? That saint who Jesus came and met and indeed invited and asked her for a drink of water that day, how did that saint let her life shine through? That when Jesus said to her on that day, go and bring your husband, and she says, I don't have a husband. And Jesus said, that's right. You've had five husbands. And the man that you are now with is not your husband. This woman had a past. She had a history that in every way she was ready to at first hide away and tuck back. But when Jesus showed of all that he knew and who he was, when she went to the very other townspeople that she previously had avoided and simply found herself too ashamed, too guilty, too afraid to interact with, then what does she say? Come and see a man who told me everything that I had ever did. He knew it all. All of the spots, all of the blemishes, all of the sin, all of the things that we fret and worry over, and he washed it away. Or how does Paul put it? In his letter to Timothy, Paul says that I received mercy for this reason, that in me, the chief and foremost sinner, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. Is that what does Paul begin with today? Paul begins today with this thanksgiving and praise, is that he begins to lift all glory, all praise, all honor to Jesus Christ for these holy saints to which he now writes is that Paul does not praise them for their great faith. <laughs> Paul does not praise them for their great works or their great love or all of those many other things that he might be able to praise them for. No, what does he praise? That he praises the one who forgave them that Paul uses all sorts of passive verbs saying that they were not the ones that did this. God, God is the one that I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace that he has given you. That in every way you were enriched in him 
The word that Paul uses there to talk about being enriched in every blessing, every gift, every grace, that we're not talking middle class well off here. That we are talking about that simply unimaginable amount of riches that they had been given. These people who would admit and confess like we did this morning, I, a poor, miserable sinner, confess to you. And Jesus Christ comes and says that I make you rich in me. That again and again through this section, Paul proclaims not what they did, but what the Father accomplished. I mean, it's like all of those different sports occasions and situations that when those big playoffs and championships happen, is that what do many teams begin to proclaim once their team has won the championship? We did it! Where's the we? (laughs) They did it. (laughs) They won it. They accomplished it. That you sitting on your couch at home, I don't think helped them clinch that one. It's like that same thing, that small child that helps their father fix the car, constantly handing him the wrong tool and shining the light in the wrong place and messing around in the toolbox and daydreaming and messing around. I don't think that we could say that that child helped his father fix the car. No. God has done it for us. That in Jesus Christ, who came and lived and died and rose again, that he has done what we are unable to do. Then why is it that we start our sermons each and every week with grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ? It's that fact that if that we did not have grace, there would be no peace. That if we did not have Jesus Christ and him crucified for us, that we would still find ourselves dead in our sins and lost in our trespasses. That there's a reason why this and this alone of these nine verses of Scripture, that nowhere else in the Bible is Jesus Christ referenced so frequently and so often but to remind these Christian Corinthians and all who sit here today that it is Christ and Christ alone that in him we have our hope, our grace, our peace, and that very promise. That may that very peace of God that surpasses all understanding guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. That Paul reminded us today in our reading is that how rich we are within this earthly life. That not only do we have those spiritual blessings, but God each and every day gives us the very gifts to sustain this body and life. And so before we continue with our service, I invite you to please bow your head with me as we go to our Lord in thanksgiving and praise. That Heavenly Father, we thank you for the blessings of this life. That you have daily provided us what is needed and so much more. Teach us to receive every gift from you with thanksgiving. Help us to be generous with our treasures as we serve others and care for your kingdom. Bless the offerings that are given this day for the very work of your church. It's all in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.